Welcome to another episode of Tusk Talk. This is episode number 14, and we have a very special episode for everyone interested in internal magic. We have Michael Caffrey from Tales of Adventure. So, Michael, how are you today? I'm doing wonderful. It's great to be here. It's great to talk about legacy. Do you want to speak on Tales of Adventure, where you're located? There's some, some information of what Tales of Adventure is. Tales of Adventure is located in Coopersburg, Pennsylvania. It's south of Allentown, about an hour north of Philadelphia. Open for about three years now. It was three years, uh, two weeks ago. Run events for Legacy and Modern Adventures to a lesser extent. Uh, we're a major vendor in the Magic community. We're going to be at every North American Grand Prix next year. Sounds like you guys are expanding and moving forward right now. We're fairly large right now, and all we want to do is, is keep growing, keep putting on good events, and be the go-to people for Eternal Magic. I feel like Tales of Adventures you know, brought up quite a bit as far as like what's happening moving forward now. I have been tremendously surprised by the outpouring of support from the player base with everything we have going on and all the events. Almost every email we've gotten for an upcoming satellite has been because a player had contacted the local store and said, hey, we want to do this. Can you email them and figure out what we need to do to get started? And it hasn't, it hasn't been something that we've pushed and contacted stores about. It's really just all come from the players. Just to give everyone the, the very brief overview of what we have going on. Uh, over the past couple of years, we've been running Eternal Extravaganza Legacy Weekends, uh, Legacy on Saturday, and then Vintage and Modern generally on Sundays. The Legacy main event is going to have a guaranteed prize pool this year of $25,000 in cash. And we've created the Satellite Series as a way for local store play to award free entry, buys, and a couple other rewards at these main events. Uh, we have four levels, bronze, silver, gold, and platinum events. The bronze events are designed to be the local weekly tournament. They are free to stores, award a small amount of points, but if you do exceptionally well in those over a season, you're going to be able to have a buy at a main event. And then the more uh, larger events will award free entry, buys, uh, possibly both at a gold event. Uh, first place at a gold event will get both free entry and a buy. Those are good for the main event as well as the modern and vintage events at E6 or E7 this year. If I was a new player, and, and so that's going to be enticing, is there going to be graph or rating system that you'll have for the players outside of just earning buys? A lot of legacy players have been playing Magic for a long time. A lot of us remember the ELO rating system that was used up until about 2009 by Wizards of the Coast, where you'd have a fluctuating rating based on how good your opponent was, and if you'd won the match or lost the match. We're bringing that back. If you go to eemagic.com and click on e-rating, you'll be able to see a current list of players that have played in any of these satellites or the main events, as well as their current rating. The rating points are good for absolutely nothing. There's no, you have to keep your rating at a certain level, you get a qualification or anything like that. They don't even contribute to buys, but they are the best way to say, I am the best vintage player in the area. I'm the best legacy player in the area right now. Any store that runs any satellite, and submits their WERF file or file if they're running unsanctioned vintage or something like that, will contribute to what's going on here. Right. You know, it, does, it doesn't matter the level. Generally, the silver and gold events are going to have a higher weight on what's going on, but even the regular bronze events will still count toward, towards this rating system. And then you also have a leaderboard. Yep, the, the leaderboard is the current number of 
points that people have that can be used towards buys for entry and levels in our overall overall program. They all they'll also determine the top eight people that will compete in our mini invitational the day before both EE events. Throughout throughout all of this, what we've really tried to do is have a lightweight system, something that's easy for people to understand, something that's not expensive for anyone, and something that's really designed to give back to the community, harken back to why we play Magic and what got most of us into Magic, and something that's going to be fun to watch in many ways. Uh, a lot of what we focused on is how Magic coverage interacts with the world at large, how Magic coverage compares to covering other formats and other game systems. We actually have a rating system, and you can have a match between the number four ranked player in the world with a 1700 rating and the number 12 ranked player in the world with a 1660 rating. And you can look at this massive set of data from all these events and say that this person is 24 and 14 in matches and this person is 18 and 12 and have a, a really strong narrative towards the match that should provide some compelling viewership. What do you think today? What do you think Legacy needs right now? And we were discussing this over the weekend a little bit, and the consensus is that Legacy needs a Flicker Wisp with Flash to make Death and Taxes the best deck in the format. We're getting close. It certainly is. No, really, Legacy has a passionate player base. It has a, a fractionalized player base, and really all it needs is, is people deciding to give it a chance. Well, there, is, there is a misconception that, that all these games are over very quickly, and it's all about having the force of will, not having the force of will, things like that. But just talking to your local modern players, talking to your local standard players, having that, that second deck built, I know I know it's expensive these days, but building something where they're able to add their Tarmogoyfs from, from their modern deck and they can come out to a to a weekly event, just let people get into the format, really I think is the best way to, to experience Legacy and to, and to get started in Legacy. At, at this point, Legacy is a format that might need some some tweaks in, in management and whatnot in terms of in terms of bans and restrictions and and how they're handling it overall. But I think it's still a tremendously fun format. There's a lot of room to, to build decks. Card prices are not are not as high as they used to be. Eternal Masters has has reprinted Force of Will, so you can open Force of Wills and packs yet again. Is this top the offender that you're you're speaking to on the ban? I think I think Sensei's top is a is a great card for Legacy. Uh, but I I come from the era where you'd be playing the Mox Diamond, Dark Confidant, Nether Reliquary, Sensei's top decks that were incredibly difficult to beat, played zero Force of Wills, played zero Brainstorms, and top was the card that let them stay in the game because they weren't drawing their Dress and the Thought Seizes. Instead, they were drawing Tarmogoyf after Nether Reliquary, after Source to Flashers in the later turns of the game. I think the, I think the Miracle's Mechanic is, is too strong for Legacy as a whole. Uh, I don't know if you want to hear all my thoughts on the format. I think Survival of the Fittest is a fair card. I like hearing this stuff. Yeah, I think... I, I think Survival is, is a completely fair card. I agree. Uh, since since Survival got printed, we had uh, we had Surgical Extraction in the format at that time, but that card was just just starting to get starting to see play. I think we had Surgical. No, I'm sorry. Surgical was Surgical is not in the format. Surgical is a new card. Death Threat Shaman is a brand new card in the format. People are better at deck building and playing Magic than ever. Uh, and Treat the Angels and Terminus is a card. Abrupt Decay is a card to to remove. Through it from the board. Yeah, Abrupt Decay is a big one. I think some some minor tweaks to how the deck functioned or banning some part of the Necrotic Use combo would have would have reduced the power or versatility of the deck. But if you want to look at what our legacy really used to be like, check out Patrick Chapin's 2010 Grand Prix Columbus deck. This is a this is the same event that 
Tail Gerward top aided with the Vengeance Survival deck, the the blue green Vengeance deck, and Tomohara Saito won with blue black Merfolk. Um, Brad Nelson's I believe first GP top eight. Same point. Patrick Chapin's deck played four Survival of the Fittest, four Fauna Shaman, four Ether Vial, four Quarian Ranger, then the Loyal Retainers, Emrakul Iona combo, as well as Emrakul Spore Frog. Sweet. So against a deck like Merfolk, you can just play Spore Frog and stack it every turn. Right. Until you eventually figure out a way to win. The deck was just this giant toolbox deck. It had a lot of different lines and a lot of leaking potential, but that just got overshadowed by the let's play some Vengevines and, and turn them sideways quickly. Now, I think I think fundamentally, Legacy is fine as a high-power format and should allow people to do strong and broken plays while not being at the Vengevine level. Anything that, that keeps Legacy at the turn three kill level, I think, is a is fair overall. I think the number of Legacy decks that are actively trying to end the game before turn four is at an all-time low. We're, we're missing most of the generic creature-based decks. What I keep wanting to call the Golden Age of, of Legacy, that 2009-2012 era, when the format really started to explode, there was a lot of people playing Zoo, a lot of people playing Merfolk, and even people playing Goblins. And all those decks were really turn four decks. That, that's, what, that's what punished the blue decks. That's what kept the format in check. By saying if you can't materially interact with the board by turn four, you're not going to get anywhere. But now we have decks that play turn one Death Rate Shaman, turn two Liliana the Veil, and you're not dealing your opponent any points of damage. Yeah, there's a lot more control elements to a lot of the creatures now. And then you also have people playing Chalice now, or at least having more consistency with Eldrazi. I think it's slowed down decks like Storm. People are people are really having to interact with their opponents over a over a longer turn frame instead of just this this very fast turn one, turn two, or turn three game. And modern's a great format too, and we still play, we still support it. Legacy is Legacy's still in a great spot. I yeah. can't really say anything bad about the format. So, so moving on, like what brings players to events? Anyone who's out playing Legacy really isn't in it for the money. A lot of us have better things to do in terms of making money and the the reward is never really going to be financially as just the reality of, of the game. If you you know if you want to win, you can go play poker. But people like the accomplishment of saying they won. People like playing for something that still matters. The community, the stories, the the people that that you're out there playing magic with, the people that you drive with. So it really comes back to the community. You're not going to remember the deck you're playing in a tournament or any of your matches, or possibly even how you did at the end of the day. But you remember the time that you and your buddy got pulled over at 2 o'clock in the morning, and he was over there trying to explain what Magic the Gathering was to the police officer. You know, those, yeah. those are the, the memories that are going to stick, and why, why we all play this game is the, the community and the, the people we get to hang out with. I just have to step in, right? I, we were we were heading out. We went to a tournament. We got there a little early, about you know 100 miles away or something. I pulled out of the parking lot real fast, and I almost like T-boned a cop. Like pull, I was like, yeah, obviously I got pulled over right away. And uh, basically, I you know explained that like we were like all part of Team Tusk, and I'm sitting there in like this Team Tusk T-shirt trying to explain like wizards and dragons and shit and like how we play these cards and how important it is. And he was like, he was real confused. We're like, you know, a hundred miles like north of Atlanta and like down south Georgia, like pull out my deck and show him and let us go. 
And and that's that's really what I think drives most Magic players. That and just the the sense of accomplishment, the feel of of winning, the sense of of fitting in with a a real community of of like-minded people. Most of us, admit it or not, are are not the most popular people growing up in high school, growing up in college, what, what have you. But we all seem to be accepting of each other, and we'll make friends from halfway across the country that you see three times a year, and you just get to pick things up as if you had seen them yesterday. So how do you plan on growing and promoting not only your events, but also like legacy as a format? What we want to see happen is have eemagic.com, and in particular the, the deckless side of eemagic, be the source for anyone wanting to find out about legacy. Whether we're going to get into articles, videos, what have you, beyond that uh, remains to be seen quite in terms of where things go. But one of the, the big complaints of Star City cutting back on legacy is that people weren't going to be able to see the metagame develop, see the top decks, see what's going on, what to expect, etc. And that's that's the niche we're trying to fill. That's what we're trying to do here. Give people a central place to look when they say, I want to go play Legacy this weekend. And then give people a central resource for looking at decks and things like that. And it's at eemagic.com. We're going to be trying to produce a weekly video show as well where we're going to talk about the events going on this weekend, the decks from the past weekend, how cool the four-color loam deck was that got a second at a bronze satellite out in California last weekend. And this deck isn't on the website yet, but there's a deck that plays four copies of Standstill alongside four copies of Deathrite Shaman that won a silver event, and Josh Petuchik earned himself a one-round buy to either the Legacy or Vintage EE. I'm not sure which one he's going to take us up on. Because he does play both formats. But can you imagine the absurdity of that? Turn one Deathrite Shaman, turn two, Wasteland U, activate Deathrite Shaman, standstill. And these cards these cards have been legal for three years. Four years. I like standstill, it's underplayed. I think it'll be good in uh, twelve post. You know, let's go ahead and play land. Sounds good. And and you have a feel next to it too. And a lot of one drop, two drop business that you can play before it. And even if you have to crack your own standstill, you're probably going to be Casting crop rotation for Ayavugan, activating it, getting Emrakul, and casting it, or doing something that's similarly not fair. I like the idea, like just going back to what you were saying about the community and, and like uh, having those bronze events. One thing that we're trying to do is get a lot of the, the cities in the southeast kind of integrated, and then you know, it would be great from that point to reach out, you know, to the northeast and have those areas integrated. You know, it's real exciting hearing something like that, like speaking to other regions of what people are doing. I think is really what makes larger as a whole. We, we start with this big headline of we're running this big event and we've always tried to find a way to, to really bring it down to the stores. This is going to be the, the one that's going to get there and the one that's going to really resonate with a lot of local communities, a lot of local players. You have a successful program that players are going to go ahead and talk to their stores and say, hey, can you can you email satellite to the magic.com? We want to be a part of this. Yeah, people, people want to see their deck list published. We're going to be trying to contact people that have done well or if they want to contact us to appear on the weekly show because I'd, I would love nothing more than to talk to people for half an hour about the deck they just played and you know Chris Kapika's four-color Delver deck from the November 18th weekly legacy tournament that, that he played in because everyone everyone has their own their own technology, something silly that, that they did somewhere, and he's playing a, a Colgan's Command in a sideboard and an Arc Trail. You can ask, hey, was, was Arc Trail any good? What were the best two creatures you, you killed with Narc Trail? And I'm curious to know the answer. 
is that something that you decide or do you, is that something like you guys have a team over there as far as like, okay, we have all this legacy content. What direction are we going to go? Are you, are you kind of like main brain behind that or you have some guys that kind of weed that all out for you? I have a team that's dedicated towards the whole eternal extravaganza, emagic.com, satellites, et cetera. Three different people involved in that. And then I have a, a separate content team in the office as well, although content's their, their secondary job now on top of, of listing cards to the website and whatnot. There's, there's a, a whole group of us, and we'll, we'll talk legacy and modern and really figure out what we, what we want to feature. That's cool. Then you have different perspectives, too. Yeah, I have an employee who traded his one tundra or two tundras for four city of traders and four ancient tombs, and now his ancient tombs and cities are worth more than four tundras. But he, he loves playing ancient tombs, city of traders strategies. Yeah, me too. Yeah, there's a lot of that in Atlanta. How do you how do you plan to make sure you have enough prize support to attract players while running on a sustainable event circuit? That's kind of the the beauty of the structure, in that it's it's so lightweight and so easy that we're not we're not putting money out there for the smaller events. Any of the the salaries, bronze, silver, gold, platinum, are designed to piggyback on what the store is doing, and the cost is designed to be lightweight enough that the store itself should be getting plenty of value from that already happening. For for a silver event, we're asking $100, but with that being a buy in the main event or a buy in free entry for a, for a gold one, then the player that wins is basically getting an additional $60 plus RV value to buy at their event. I know that the easiest way to, to run something like this into the ground is by running a bunch of events and running out a bunch of convention centers and having a bunch of prize money that's thrown out there. But we really want to tap into what's going on, tap into all those local store $1,000 tournaments and give them just that little bit extra that their players are asking for and, and give the players something that's going to let them get get ahead at a bigger event, bring some recognition to themselves, bring some recognition to the store. Uh, I have always been a proponent of putting the local store on an equal footing in everything we're trying to do. You know, the, we're we're going, to, going to be sending out trophies for the for the satellite events. The trophies are going to say something effective, E-Magic Satellite hosted at whatever the local game store is. I don't I don't want to be branding anything as E-Magic.com, T-O-I-Magic.com, right at the top, and the store is thrown on the last line. Right. Because really, everyone's in this together. The stores are a partner in this. And if the stores do well, and we do well, and everyone's happy. I don't want to be trying to put myself at the at the head of the list on on all this stuff. So, how do you plan to succeed where others have failed? Uh, a big part of it is is trying to stay realistic to the size of the community, the the overall what's going on, and figuring out how much how much exposure, how much risk we can really take on in a given season, in a given year. Part of it is really is giving back to the community because the community is so great. We have people coming up to us at all the Grand Prix we're at and all the shows we do, trading in cards or buying cards and, and saying how they're so happy that they're able to still play Legacy, that they're not selling all their Legacy cards and whatnot. But we're, we're not trying to be everything for these events. We're not trying to say we're guaranteeing half a million dollars in prizes this year. If you look at it, we've guaranteed – the main event money, which is a fairly fairly small amount of money for two twenty-five thousand dollars tournaments. Uh, when you factor in that there's entry fees and whatnot as well, and we factored in, or we're, we're 
paying for the the website, the people doing that, the people producing content, all of which should theoretically be able to help grow our brand. But we're not spending a bunch of money on things where the return is, is not necessarily there. We're trying to make sure that wherever wherever we're putting money is going to go directly towards towards players, towards getting new players into these e events, towards making it easier for people to travel to events. We may be offering some some promotional funding towards getting people from some of the further away cities able to go to these events as well. Uh, Nightwear out, out in California has been a huge proponent of these events. They've gotten on board very early, reported all their events, and that's where most of the deck lists on eemagic.com is, is coming from. And it wouldn't surprise me if we made the decision to offer them some extra help, either running a bigger event or maybe offering to pay for airfare for someone that's trying to head out to one of the one of the bigger events. In general, the better we can stay connected to the player base, the more that we've, we have players who are approaching the local stores saying, we want to get started in this, and getting involved, staying involved, the better off we're going to be. Right. It's a real passionate community, so it's good to tap into that. So most of these events, are, are they, will they all be focused in the United States? Or are you thinking about going international with it, or are you just kind of play it by ear in the beginning? At this point, people are able to run events anywhere they would like. For the platinum events, we've promised to send out a coverage team on site. I don't think we're going to be sending coverage to uh, Japan right now. Right. But we do have some events being run by Perry Tarantula up in Canada as the one international uh, events we have going on. Both their weekly modern as well as some bigger legacy events they are in uh, Toronto, sorry, to be precise. Yeah. And they have three legacy, three silver legacies and a Gold Legacy event already scheduled for the next couple months, so there will be opportunities to play internationally. And we do have, we do have some some friends in Singapore and some other areas that may be running events. We have not heard back. If there's interest in their communities, if they have people who may fly out here and it's not too far to travel, then then we'll see where it goes. Yeah, there's a there's a fair amount of international players at uh, Eternal Weekend. People like winning. People like saying that they're but they're really good at magic, and yeah, exactly. hopefully, hopefully, we'll have the prestige for someone to to come talk to us. And it'd be cool to get some of the statistics from international communities as well, kind of blended into the you know the results that are coming out of America. Yeah, hope, hopefully, we have hundreds of deck lists on our website, and we can keep the team that's uploading them very busy. A lot of people go to like, I think like a lot of people go to like uh, the random deck sites right now, scavenge deck lists. Give like you know the MTG top eight, et cetera, you know DC decks, but those have kind of felt abandoned lately, and they kind of feels like just you know scourging to try to find some sort of results to look at. But you know if there's something out there that's being updated, I think a lot of legacy communities can gravitate towards that. And I have a dedicated employee whose only job and it is part time, but whose only job is to schedule these events, take payment for them. And make sure they're on the website, and then type up the deck list afterwards and get them online. And we're not, and we're not even requiring stores to type up the deck lists. If it's easier for the store, they can lay out the deck, take a picture, send it to us that way, and we'll do the rest of the work. Wow. Okay. We're going to make this as lightweight as easy as possible because if it's difficult, you know, the more barriers we put, the less likely it's going to be to happen. Definitely a question that I was real curious about, and it's something that I'm fairly interested in in general is kind of like the production value content. And I feel like that was one of the things that really pushed 
Star City Games as far as, you know, people, you know, Star City Games isn't that old, much as they're hailed by many. They're, they're fairly new in the grand scheme of magic. I feel like a lot of their power was branding, pushing their value of content, especially with, like, you know, their, their opens. A lot of people like the value of that. Uh, is, like, moving in a direction like that, is that something you're interested in as far as streaming events? Like? We feel that we want to be delivering a strong event for the people at the event, but also for everyone at home. One of the big things with streaming events, in particular with Star City over the past two or three years, less so this next year, is the consistency, is knowing every Saturday I can watch some standard, every Sunday I can go tune into their stream and watch some legacy. And that consistency is what drives traffic and what gets people watching on a on a weekly basis. That's where I'd, I'd really like to go, and that having enough large gold platinum-style events run by other people throughout the Northeast that we can have a team on the road streaming with regularity for these legacy events is something that people will tune into. Uh, in terms of production value, we've put together a decent stream setup for E4, E5, and Star City Regionals that we had just done over this past year. The the person that does the production for our stream also produced Eternal Weekend proper this past year. So a lot of the design elements overall, stylistic choices from that event are going to carry over. But a lot of it comes down to the, the overall name recognition, uh, both the commentators and the people doing the stream. We had four or 500 people watching our event most of the time, whereas a stream that's on Wizards Channel or Star City's channel or similar might have 10,000 or more. And even though it made us the highest magic stream, we just didn't have quite the following. But just producing more content on a regular basis makes it easier for people to hit the follow button, and then they get emails every time we go live. And it, it, it really snowballs out from there that once we start producing strong content on a recurring basis, our audience is going to continue to increase over time. As far as a local store wants to stream their events, say from the ground up, store A that wants to stream Legacy now, uh, the ATOG Magic Store, and I want to stream this Legacy event that's coming up. How do they go about as far as like branding and whatnot? Do they contact you and you guys would stream it on your Twitch channel? In general, we're going to be flexible with how we interact with everyone else at, at these sorts of events. In the short of it, though, it's going to be our logo and their logo both on stream. Uh, it's probably going to be on our channel unless they have a channel or trying to promote that and want it on their channel, then we can just host it. If they want to do all the work, if they want to have their own coverage team, what have you, then they can go with it. And if they're looking for help on how to get started in streaming or what equipment to buy, things of that nature, uh, or even to, to get in touch with the person who created their overlays, so that they can get their own overlays done, help on production, anything like that, they can feel free to email me personally at toacomics.com, or toacomics at gmail.com. Uh, I like the idea of like streaming of one of our events in Atlanta and posting it on you guys' channel. I think that would be really cool. Your store does a, some larger events throughout the year, right? Yes, we do. Uh, we do. We have a legacy quarterly around like 65 like 80 players it's usually for like a mox and then some dual lands and some other cards we also have a monthly event uh, and then we have two weeklies that fire total about 30 players a week certainly great to hear when the next one rolls around feel free to let me know and we can always see what we can do 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So with legacy growing in other countries like Japan, you know, in parts of Europe, why do you think legacy is so suppressed in the United States? I think in, in many ways, you know, the success of the, the Star City Open Series and the, the overall number of GPs, how how strong the the road network is in here and how easy it is to take road trips with people means that people are playing the magic they're able to play whenever they can, and that is largely going to be modern. Modern has just been a runaway success in the United States in particular. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what the modern support is in Japan or in, in Europe overall, but I think a lot of, in a lot of ways uh, modern has just supplanted a lot of the people who would be playing Legacy or who would be getting into Legacy over time. It seems like there's also that, just even like the landmass, Japan's more condensed. USA is a little more spread on it as well. And you kind of have this this Rolling Stone effect where if you look at a, a new format like Frontier, all it takes is a couple of people to start buying decks for the Frontier format. And then you have a couple more people trading for decks, buying for decks. And then you know, the holidays come around or people start going back to school and they say, oh, I need $1,000. Let me go sell some cards. And they're no longer selling the extra stuff they have in their trade binder or the extra cards they have lying around they're not playing, they're deciding, do you want to sell my modern deck or my legacy deck or my frontier deck, what have you? And that choice many, many times becomes, well, I'm going to sell my legacy deck because I use it once a month, whereas my modern deck I use once a week. Have you contacted or talked with Wizards of the Coast about support at all, or is that something that you're ever interested in? Getting them, for instance, like getting them to license images for playmats, like uh, Eternal Weekend gets done for them. I've I've talked to Wizards of the Coast in the in the early past. Uh, I before for the first one, I was strongly considering having Delver Secrets be the legacy mat and Flip Delver Secrets being the vintage mat. Obviously, that was taken by GPCL Tacoma in 2015. But I haven't talked to Wizards in the particularly recent past. I know they have been opening up playmats more and more over time. And that maybe somewhere we move to eventually. Right now, I kind of like the let's find let's find an artist, let's have them do their own interpretation on on this dual end theme, dual end motif, and do something based on that. Um, the people that we're talking to for E6 playmats are particularly exciting. If they end up doing uh, doing a playmat for us, that'll be very a very impressive mat at the end of the day. Awesome. We were talking to some very big names in the industry. I can't talk about who we're talking to, but some people that we'd really like to see what they can come up with. Very cool. Yeah, I saw the, the kind of like a stained glass kind of mosaic one. Is that the, with the dual lands? Is that the one you're speaking to? Yeah, that was that was Brandon Brown for E4. Oh. Yeah, E4. Okay. Yeah, I saw that Eternal Weekend. Someone was playing with one sweet map. Yeah, we we were very happy with how that one turned out. Yeah, that's a good-looking map. So what's the best way for players to support Tales of Adventure, and specifically the circuit? To support us on the Legacy front, you can buy cards from us on toamagic.com. If you use the promo code TUSK, T-U-S-K, you can save 10%. Nice. Sweet. Thank you. That's going to be in effect uh, until the end of the year. Okay. Very cool. And TUSK. Yes. And to support, support Tales overall, you can talk to us at any North American GP 
in the entirety of 2017. We're going to be at all of them. You can come out to our events, or you can just talk to your local store, get your local legacy event on the map with eemagic.com. You can show up to other events, go to eemagic.com, look at the deck lists, watch us on Twitch. There's a million ways you can interact with us on the Internet. We're fine with any of them that you do. We encourage you to consume the content we're putting out, look at what we have going on, like us on Facebook at toamagic.com. Any of those things are all phenomenal. Now, if somebody wants to like assist with writing articles, for instance, for anything content-related, you can go and email me at toacomics at gmail.com. We're not currently set up for articles, per se, mm-hmm. uh, on, on any platform, but going forward is something that I would very much like to get involved with, especially people who have done well at the e main events, Someone who's really in that points chase, any mm-hmm. any sort of way, we'd love to hear from people. Well, yeah, there's a lot of people who want to see you succeed, so all listeners out there definitely take all that to heart. You like you have the Eternal Extravaganza right now, which is one of the bigger premier events for Legacy Eternal Magic or Federal. Now, is that something that like that outside of the circuit? Is that something you want to expand? It, it really depends on, on where all this goes and what the you know, the results are. Space running events is not particularly cheap, and once you get past a couple hundred people to the point where running events doesn't really work out as well as it should, the model that that we'd really like to move towards is a more expensive main event overall, uh, possibly hitting the $100 mark, but then having a whole bunch of different ways where you're able to win your way in, even from just playing in, in weekly events all the time, so that Really what we have is this big championship event at the end of the year that's free for a whole bunch of people because they play so much damn legacy all the time that it really works out for them. And then if you if you play once in a while or, or just along for the road trip, then then you still have to pay for it, but you're not you're not really behind. You, you know, it's not like everyone has a bunch of buys and, and you're sitting there having to, to play the first three rounds. We want to say that's fair for everyone, but we want to have a system that rewards people for playing a lot of legacy, a lot of modern, or a lot of vintage. Well, I think that's it. Do you have any other last notes as far as uh, the circuit itself or Tales of Adventure, anything else you want to get out there? I love interacting with everyone, hearing from people about legacy as a format or their feedback on what we have going on. And the more feedback we can get, the better. Uh, you can see me at any North American GP outside of GP Indianapolis in August. Uh, I'll be at every other North American GP and you can contact me on Facebook or email me at toacomics at gmail.com to hear more about everyone else's thoughts on what we're doing and legacy as a whole. And you can buy cards from us at toamagic.com promo code TUSK to save 10% T-U-S-K. I, 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 just, I really hope all the listeners kind of move towards Tales of Adventure. Obvious that there's a, a turn in SCG's direction in many ways and this definitely feels more of the route of Legacy's kind of roots. Support the format. Really appreciate you being on, Michael. Very glad to be here. and appreciate your time and having me on the show. All right. So that concludes this episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. and We'll talk to you later.